Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I didn't get to I'm like glad your mom, mom wasn't here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, I really should I punch him? <laughs> it doesn't work if you're not wearing Why? a mariachi suit. Uh, we're not wearing a mariachi suit. <laughs> I don't know. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bang Broadcast, episode number 87. I'm Chris. I'm John. I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in four ways. The first being the Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the week. Next is our list. The book's coming out June 22nd. Then we follow that up with our monthly rotating topic. This week we're talking about coverage from E3, the big video game conference that happens every year. Uh, We're going to be talking about some of the games we're looking forward to from that. And our movie fix is the long-anticipated Green Lantern film. We're all Green Lantern fanboys here, and we got to see the feature. Well, anybody can see the future. I know, we're not special. I'm just yeah. saying. We bought the tickets. And we got to see it, and we were excited and happy. That's true. It was very exciting and happy. And I went to see it also. And Paul went to see it. <laughs> hey! So I well, that, that deserves a toast. That does deserve a toast. Great segue, John. And for the third time on this, sh- on this podcast... Which would be the second. Uh, we're having a little bit of the Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. It's a seldom seen... Re- Seldom seen, never duplicated, remarkable, partakeable. And uh, I do really love the Beckenridge Brewery's uh, logo, the B&B together with the lightning bolts. Very good. The Vanilla Porter really has the vanilla on the back end, I think, more so than what we get from our local Rohrbach Brewery Vanilla uh, vanilla Porter, which is all kind of up front. Uh, Vanilla smoothness, like a cream soda. This has that bite on it and that nice finish. It's good, but I have to say I prefer the Rohrbach one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely go Rohrbach over this. It's not bad. It's an enjoyable beer. Um, but for the price point, for this versus a Rohrbach, I mean, you, you got to go with the Rohrbach. It's 10 bucks for a six-pack. Yeah, it's like, and, uh, I think, 7 for that growler. Which is a four-pack. Yeah. But you get, so. a lot of, you get a lot of mileage out of it. Especially if you, you do get mileage. You, if you, you mix you, it with the strawberry blonde, or or you put it in a car engine, and then you don't get any mileage out of it. Really, you, you just ruined your car engine. So that was stupid. Yeah, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah, it sounds just ridiculous. Yeah, that, somebody would do such a thing. Well, I don't. No, but it is. And uh, Breckenridge Brewery is a uh, favorite brewery of our longtime fan uh, Aaron over it's, there at uh, Red Phone Zone. It's a fine Colorado ale. And, you know, it's good. It's something that I would pair with desserts, much like a cream puff. Yes, it went well with the cream puff. It did go well with the cream puffs. I would have started mm-hmm. off with the IPA that we've never had on this podcast before. Uh, their small batch that will be coming in later on tonight. Which is a big boy. It's like 9.2% alcohol. And that's why I kind of wanted to start it off with that. But since we were <laughs> eating dessert with the cream puffs before the show... I, I decided to bust out the vanilla porter. It was a very good pairing, pair. though, Paul. It was. It was very good. Um, could also see it pairing well with lamb. I have no idea. What? I, is Are you trying to throw some segue no. towards this? Okay. Is that a horrible segue? A lot of times they go right over my head. 
mm. your segues, and you don't know you're throwing them off to us. And we'd be like, Lamb, that reminds me of this great news story. <laughs> well, is there a leggy actress? Uh, no. No, no. I'm trying to Just think. We can geek, everybody. <laughs> there we go. It's time for that part of the show now. We have segments. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. So uh, somebody was spotted on a shooting. Movie studio shooting. You're making it sound like someone was shot. I know, that's why I said movie You're looking up naked pictures. No, I'm on Tumblr. It just happens to be what's there. Tumblr is a wonderful thing, Paul. It is a wonderful thing. But no, Liam Neeson has been spotted on set of uh, Dark Knight Rises. So, is he actually in the movie? Is it a flashback? We don't know. Could be anything. We don't know. But he's there. Could be anything. Could be just there checking out Tumblr. He could just be there on Tumblr hanging out, being a bro. (laughs) Like, hey, look at this picture of this naked lady on the Tumblr. That's on the Tumblr. It happens. (laughs) Uh, some other Batman news is there is a uh, fake trailer that um, was posted out there that said it was with uh, the Green Lantern film. Um, now, when you say fake trailer, do you mean this is something like people? It's just something made and put that out? somebody made and put out as if it was a real. Like it even has the um, movie, the, the picture association, picture association. And the only reason, um, one of the reasons they know that it's fake is because the guy that did it used the old logo for it and the old wording. I guess there's new wording for it. But they have... I never never even knew that. They have come out... new lettering, right? It's um, it's new uh, word usage. Oh, so it's no longer the dark... Like, how so? Like, the Dark Knight Rises. No, 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 not that. The, um... The actual, like, when you see the MP... Yeah, that. Ah, That is different. Um... Movie... But they have said that you are going to get the teaser trailer with, uh, Harry Potter. Yay! So, uh... Means I'm going to see it twice over the weekend. We can, uh, we can look forward to that. Um, the, uh... The the fake trailer was... I mean, it does look really kind of cool. And it is what you would expect from it, just, um... It's a red sky with uh, some just flashes of um, red sky crisis. It's a crossover. <laughs> Shit! Just um, a few simple words saying that uh, there's a storm coming to Gotham. So uh, it's what you would expect. It's like the teaser trailers we got for the other two. Um, uh, you know, the, fir- the for the second one, you had the voiceover by um, Alfred and then Joker mm-hmm. laughing at the end. So. Mm-hmm. We can. I'd assume it's going to be a lot like the teaser, but uh, we'll find that out in uh, Harry Potter. I can't wait. Real movie news: Essex County, the Jeff Lemire uh, in top shelf book, is going to be made into a movie, which I think is very interesting. It's going to be starting casting soon. Uh, I learned about this on the Word Balloon podcast when Jeff Lemire was talking to uh, John Citrus. Um I'm just going to be interested to see how they work it, because it's three different stories that all kind of semi, kind of touch each, you know, they're tangentially related, and they kind of, when you read all three books together, you understand the main through line, but they're all very independent stories that don't need to be together, so I'm wondering if they're going to do a vignette style, kind of like, uh... Uh, Sin City. Sin City, or, I mean... Um, four Rooms. Four Rooms. You could even do uh, Pulp Fiction, that movie Go. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of styles yeah. when there's three stories and they 
briefly touching each other, so... Yeah. Very hard to touch again. But, you know, uh, I'm excited. It's great news uh, for anybody that's Jeff Le- uh, Jeff the Nigger fan. Uh, he's I've still never read that book. I haven't either. Wow. Makes me sad. He's been writing Superboy for DC. He will be writing uh, the Frankenstein and the Creature Commandos after Flashpoint. And he's actually writing their, like, whatever, the Frankenstein monster book for Flashpoint. Uh, whatever that book is, that little miniseries. He's doing another post-Flashpoint one, too. I can't remember what it was. It was a good one that we thought Paul would be really excited about. Animal yeah. Man. Animal Man, yeah. yeah. So, Paul's like, eh, he's not going to be I'm doing it. Be I don't believe Rich Johnson. He's only right 98% of the time. That's a bunch of bullshit. His music's too loud. Very loud music. <laughs> no, I said, that certainly is a song being played over there. <laughs> <laughs> that certainly is. I mixed the two. The and two, I said, the trailer two, came the on sayings, really loud. The two sayings that you like, had. Wow. I mixed them to make that just one old man really joke. Um... I wouldn't didn't want to drive everything to a screaming halt. Did you? No. No, you did. No, I did. You just did right there. Okay. Uh, And I was saying the trailer was really loud when we were watching Green Lantern, (laughs) whose numbers I have for the bagged and boardcast summer movie blockbuster bracket buster. Wow! So many right out. So many words. Uh, Green Lantern was going up against Super Eight, and we can now say Green Lantern wins. It gets to fly to round two. Uh, Green Lantern made uh, roughly sixty-two or fifty-two point six million dollars its opening weekend. Super Eight, or, yeah, Super Eight only made about thirty-eight million. So, kind of easily done. Not the best movie uh, opening for a comic book movie in recent history, but certainly not the worst. We'll probably get into that more during our review, just to uh, go over the points. We have now Aaron in the lead with four points. Me in second place, Paul, with three. John and Chris tied for third, two points each. And I'm forgetting if Ethan had Green Lantern moving on or not. I don't think he did pick Green Lantern. If he did not pick Green Lantern, then he's still at zero points. Uh, But if he did, then he'd be at one. Yay! Yay. um, Let's hope hope he's got the one. You're still losing. (laughs) He's still in fourth (laughs) Well, speaking about fourth, this week's the fourth week for comic books in the month of June. So let's talk about what we're looking forward to. Now I can't tell if you're making the fun week of, of my no, I'm, I'm trying to really this. crying. The week of June twenty second. Uh, if you could rape a segue, I believe that's how forceful you were with that segue. <laughs> And Paul would know, he's raped a lot of segues. That segue never saw it coming. Because <laughs> no, it passed out. Eh? Eh? Uh, was bad. Uh, the book I'm looking forward to comes out of uh, DC, spinning out of The Brightest Day with uh, Brightest Day Aftermath, the search number one. Which, um... What? These, these titles are getting really long. <laughs> Oh, you're going to love mine. <laughs> oh, let me guess. DC presents... Vertig- no, Vertigo presents... Uh, Vertigo Resurre- DC presents Vertigo Re- Resurrection. Peter Max, number or Peter something, the number one. Paul, Paul knows what I'm going to be picking. I saw it as well. That, I 
can't even <laughs> remember the title of so long. And I like to think I'm an intelligent person. You like to think that. Yes, I do. Don't worry, my title's pretty long, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, Aftermath, you have John Constantine in the DC world trying to have a sit-down with uh, the big three, um, Superman, Batman, I believe Wonder Woman, and trying to explain to them that he doesn't think it's that great that Swamp Thing's back, and he doesn't he doesn't like it. Hector Holland? Alan Holland? What's, what's Swamp Thing's name? Alec Holland. Alec, Alec Holland. Holland. Alec. So You're thinking Hector Hall. Hawk. Yes. And also, <clears throat> yeah. Dr. Fate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge John Constantine fan. I have almost almost all the trades of uh, the saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. So I'm sorry. I enjoyed I enjoyed them. Mm. Most of them. That's why mm. I didn't finish I it. I liked... Uh, um, but I'm a huge Hellblazer fan, and to have him interacting with the uh, uh, the uh, DC universe is kind of interesting yeah, to me. Proper. So I'd like to I'd like to see how this where this goes. And it's a younger John Constantine than you're probably used to getting now, because the John Constantine in the Virgo books, I know they're saying that he's like in his late 30s, maybe early 40s. Yeah, they've tried to stick with however many. I think he's been around. He's been around for about 20 years. He was in his 20s. When the, mm-hmm. when the book started, so they've actually had him age as yeah. the books have gone along. And now, back in the DCU, he's in his late 20s again. So, yeah. get to read a younger, more brash? Is it possible? C- could John be. Constantine? Less weathered. Less, yes. But could still smoking. more weathered. <clears throat> uh, so, Chris, did uh, Paul get your title correct? Paul's very close. What? It's Peter something. It... <laughs> It's Vertigo, Resu- Vertigo Resurrected, The Sandman Presents, Petrifax number one. Petrifax. Petrifax. This is a uh, spinoff from Neil Gaiman's Sandman book. Um, there was a necropolis, so City of the Dead, that's pretty much inhabited by undertakers. Um, who are not dead? Who are not dead. Um, and this is the story of one of them who's left the city to kind of learn the ways of the world and winds up at the World's End Tavern, which is like a nexus and meeting place in between worlds where people use stories to tell. From House of Mystery? Yes, well, very similar to that. But not the House of Mystery? Or not the House of Mystery, but it's very similar to that, where people meet and tell stories to pay for drinks. Um, so this is a story about him. Hmm. Um, it's written by uh, Mike Harry, who did probably, like, one of the best Sandman spinoffs in Lucifer. I mean, mm-hmm. book went out longer than actual Sandman did. Um, and art by Steve LaHola, who is probably most well-known for his work on Fables. Uh, I'd really like to borrow this one uh, after you get it. Absolutely! Oh, so nice. Um, and this is a book that came out a few years ago, too. It's just been out of print. Mm-hmm. So um, Vertigo is kind of just focusing on this again. Um, something that they've done a couple times now. The first one they did was actually a Hellblazer one where they published a uh, Warren Ellis story that was originally pulled because of the Columbine shooting. Yeah. It was The Gun or something? Yeah, it was something like that. I can't remember the name of it. but So I'm looking forward to that. That wasn't really related to Columbine or school shootings, really. But it was still pulled because Paul Levitz got nervous. Yeah, it came out... Well, it was supposed to yeah. come out right at the same time. So Not that he was aware. Fearing, fearing the backlash. Yeah. It just happened... To coincide. Or the uh, recoil, if you will. <laughs> Scoundrel. Yes. 
my book also has a long title. Batman, Gates of Gotham, number two. Not as long as other books, but yeah. still. I think I win. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if we were having a competition, clearly, mine yeah. would be the best. Only title that was longer was X-Men, Prelude to the Schism, Road to the Schism, uh, The Return of the Phoenix, and Song, Song number one. Dark Avengers. Yeah, something like that. What was that? It's the one, you can only find it on the Pignaboard website, <laughs> <Yeah>. com. <laughs> Um, uh, they must have just canceled that one because nobody yeah. like, ordered it. Nobody's seen it. It, it never I mean, happened. It was solicited. Yeah, it's like it never happened. It's weird. Um, that's what happens when things get solicited on it for full stay, though. But Batman Gates of Gotham. John, you let me borrow the first issue. I'm glad you liked it. I think it's very interesting. It, I, I think it's very interesting. It's written by uh, Scott Snyder, who's been doing American Vampire, and uh, Kyle Higgins, who I don't know. I don't know Kyle Higgins. Yeah, he do, he's done mostly, like, DC stuff, but no, like, big, huge books. And uh, art is being done by Trevor McCarthy. Not a big fan of the art in this book. It's a little hard to tell uh, who's who. Uh, I don't really think he distinguished between Dick Grayson, and I didn't really like his take on, you know, uh, Damien and also looking at uh, Tim Drake. Uh, he, just something weird about them all. Just didn't feel like those characters to me when I looked at them on the page. Mm. Just, you know, maybe something personal. I'm not really sure. But it's really interesting because it's taking uh, basically two stories looking at the deep past of Gotham City when these three families were coming together to build these three bridges. You had the Cobblepots, you had the Elliots, and also the Wings uh, deciding that we're going to make Gotham a hub city. And to do this, we need to bring in you know, traffic and roads, and we need modern bridges to bring in the, the people and to bring in this traffic that can make Gotham this hub city. So it's about them building these bridges, and in the present, you have a villain uh, that's set on destroying all three, and why the, the, that villain is tied up to these three uh, big Gotham families. Uh, the Cobblepots, of course, Penguin is present day, Elliot, Hush. You know, with uh, Thomas Elliot. Thomas Elliot? Yeah, Tommy Elliot. And then, uh, of course, Bruce Wayne. Uh, the Batman. So. Hi, this is Kyle Stevens. And this is Jim Demonacos. And we're a Kirby Crackle. And you're listening to Bagged and Bored Podcast. There it is. But before we get to E3 and our main topic, let's talk about our second beer and our last beer of the night. Uh... Small Batch 471, also from the Breckenridge Brewery. It's a double hopped IPA. And it's 9.2% alcohol by value. Though, it doesn't feel like it in the mouth. No, it, it's not very alcohol burning. You don't get the dragon no. breath. You, and it's just a really great hoppy taste. Almost kind of dries that tongue out. Uh, fantastic beer. This was actually a beer that um, I did a beer exchange with our Aaron, friend of the podcast, and he sent one of these up to us. And uh, it was good then, and it's good now. Yeah, I like it. it it's probably not my favorite IPA. Um, I like a little bit more of that citrus, like grapefruit mm-hmm. rind in mine. I get that at the back. You get a little bit of it at the back, yeah. You get a little bit. Um, this is up there is, is I'd, I'd say, top five IPAs. Just because it's got 
what I'm looking for with that with that taste of it. You know, like I like it when it dries your mouth out. The grapefruit taste is good. I do like mm-hmm. that in IPAs, but I like this because it's on the other side of that spectrum. I don't know. I had Ithaca Flower Power last night when I was at the bar, so I'm just <laughs> oh. I'm just thinking back uh, to. Flower power is my number one. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's very good. I'm not knocking it, but I think producer Scott would love this beer, and I'm going to have to save one for him. But it will be difficult to save one for him. That's right. I like this IPA. You're saying it dries out the tongue? I don't know if it's just because of you know I actually had a decent meal today. I you know kept my liquids going all throughout today. But this one does not leave me with that fuzzy tongue. Yeah, it does. I mean, you get it a little bit, like if, you, like right mm-hmm. after you take a sip, like if you touch the roof of your mouth, like you can kind of feel it. It's not overpowering, mm-hmm. but it's, it's on the, it's on that other spectrum than like the grapefruity ones. That is just kind of that little bit of like a a, mm-hmm. a tart hop kind of a thing to it. And this doesn't have what I hate most from an IPA, the Christmas tree water, where it tastes like you're drinking. Just pine needles after pine needles. This has a nice flavor to it. It's a hop. It's that hoppy flavor, but it's not piney. It's just really nice, and it's not a toasted kind of pine either. Um, it's just enjoyable. It is. It's a very good beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, big price point though. What yeah. is it like? It's like. <laughs> it's a big price point. It's it's a. Fourteen ninety nine per six pack. Wow. Yeah, it's small batch. I'm sorry, I don't, big price. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, that sorry. price point. It makes it difficult for me want to want to pick it up again, especially since I could go and get a nugget nectar for two bucks less. Yeah. Or go even down to the other Trogs uh, IPA, the uh, Amber Hop, um, Hop Amber, the yeah something Hop Ale or yeah the Hop yeah. Amber. Which is very good. Mm-hmm. Which is very and good. You know what? It, I mean, it, it's good, but it's up there for my like top five. But the the top four, hop back, hop back, blow it. They blow it out of the water. And I mean, one of them is the Lagunitas Hop Stupid, which is a big bottle and it's four bucks. Yeah. Trogs hop back amber ale. Yeah. I, I have a six pack in my fridge, and I just pulled out the empty six pack. Because I can remember. But, uh, I mean, it's good. It's it's pricey. But, I mean, it's coming all the way from Colorado. You know, you get that. Yeah. You pay that to get the get it shipped out here. Because they don't have jet travel yet. <laughs> it's actually carried around by hobos who are jumping rails. That's how they get it here. That makes That's sense. why they do them in small batches. <laughs> you know, so hobos. the hobos can carry it around in their bindle sticks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, hobos. They make America work. But you know what the hobos aren't doing? What? Playing video video games. Thanks for stopping over that again. (laughs) I said it so quietly, nobody heard it on the show. I heard it. You heard it. That's all that matters. But when do you listen to me? You only listen to me when I step all over you. I know. That's when I hear you. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm going to pass this over to you, because if anyone... Is the the guy that always brings the video game news to the table? It's you, Paul. Well, thank you very much. E three happened this uh, past week, last week, and we uh, spent some time crunching the numbers, looking at. I didn't crunch anything. I had some Captain Crunch. Really? How's he draw? 
the roof of my mouth a little cut up. But it was the peanut butter stuff, so it was good. Oh, that is good. Chris didn't crunch anything. I didn't crunch anything. He just looked at the announcements and said, Man, what did people do at this E3? It's all stuff that I knew about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I had a hard time finding games that were you know, showcased out on the show floor, or talked about, or reviewed that I had not heard of before. Um, very weird for me from an E3. Yeah. The biggest news, of course, is Nintendo showing off the Wii U, a.k.a. Project Cafe, a.k.a. You get to play your games with an iPad. Uh, it's such a stupid name for a system. It sounds like a little kid making a siren noise. Wii U, yeah. Wii U. Yeah. That, that's it. Like I don't and know. That's if why they, I don't know if they're going for like the next like generation. Like oh, we're graduating. We're going to Wii U now. No, it's or Wii Universe. It's horrible. It's Wii a dumb Universal. Name. It's stupid. It's a stupid name. But this is Nintendo's next gen system. Um, they're going like oh, full HD. I know why it is now. Hmm. I'm so I'm such an idiot for not seeing it. Me, MII, you. We. Ah, maybe. They're conjugating their councils. It's horrible. <laughs> Me drink. You drink. We drink. Nintendo. It's not horrible. I really hope they're not doing that. <laughs> I think they are. I really that hope that might not. be it. Oh, fuck Nintendo. <laughs> no, but this is their HD system. Um, this is them kind of stepping up and playing with the big boys. But I think it's five, six years too late for that. I mean, the big games that they're like showcasing on this... Arkham Asylum. It's all footage from the PS3 and 360 versions because they haven't started developing the stuff for it. And that's also marketing that, yes, they can handle the Xbox and PlayStation's to get those fanboys from Microsoft and Sony to be like, that doesn't look as good as the Xbox, or that doesn't look good as the PS3, and to be like, wait, no, that is actually the exact thing, same thing as the Xbox. No, I think that's more like, oh, we don't have anything, let's just co-op their footage so we can show, like, no, we're going to have games that you would want to play. But I, I just think the core gamers that they're going for already have the PS3. They yes. already have the Xbox yes. 360. They're not going to buy another system so they can have like a little handheld screen controller. Average uh, video game player now is 41, age 41. This is the system to buy for your kids, and now you're like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to have the second system for daddy anymore. You know, because that's what the Wii is right now, anyway. I, I think the Wii is that way for the like kind of the, like to have it for the kids. Mm-hmm. I, if I was a parent, I wouldn't want my kid playing with like a handheld the like, controller that's control- yeah because they're, you'd be afraid. They I would it. be like, get the fuck away from that! You know how much money that was, you little shit. But you, as a dad and your parent, can be playing with the expensive controller, and the kids can still be playing with the Wii mode and Wii nunchucks. Well, they're, they're going to have to, because the system can only, only sync to one of those controllers. Right. So everything they've kind of gone for with the Wii, where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the fun party, right. your whole family playing the Wii, only one person is going to be able to use that nice screen. Like, everyone else is going to be stuck using their old Wii remotes and nunchucks. 
Or the classic controllers. Or the classic controllers. It's like Welcome to Atari all over again, where you had the paddle controllers or the joystick. I'm going to be... There's going to need to be bigger signage at the stores to actually explain what those little icons on the back of the game mean. When it's like, classic controller compatible, nunchuck compatible, Wii U controller compatible, this balance board compatible. That's Nintendo, though. They like like, flooding the shelves with just crap because that's more stuff on the shelves. That's new Nintendo, though. I liken that to... The way Marvel does stuff, though, like, just put stuff on the shelves because that's going to take up more space so the competitors have less. Right now, or in the in a year, Nintendo's going to be supporting four systems. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the Wii still, they're mm-hmm. going to have the Wii U, they're going to have the Nintendo DS, they're also going to have the 3DS. Retailers aren't going to have the shelf space for other systems because, well, Nintendo's going to have almost half of your store. But when the DS came out, they were still selling and supporting Game Boy Advance. For a little while. And GameCube was still on the shelves when the Wii came out. So that was a poor system. But honestly, the GameCube was a failure. Well, the way Nintendo likes to just flood it with crappy games, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much crap that comes out Nintendo doesn't flood it with crappy games. They allow third parties to flood their systems with crappy games. And, that, and that's what sucks, because... And it's huge market share. They're still, even though they've been outsold for the past three quarters, the Nintendo Wii still has the biggest install base. Still. Yeah, but you know what? None of those people play it. Right. Just because it's in someone's house doesn't mean that they're out there buying stuff for and it. And there's such a... And you can't really get look at the numbers of who is playing it, because there's such a crappy online presence because you can't tell when people are actually there's like no server they're logging into so you can't really get the numbers of who's actually turning on their Wii's like you can with people playing on Xbox Live or people logging into the PlayStation Network I have to say that the Nintendo unless John you got something? No! Okay. It's It's kind of fun for me to look at the system because I feel like we're almost looking into a parallel universe where Nobody plays online games, and you have to have people over to play on the couch. And this is how they're getting around, like, what if we made games where everybody's not doing the same thing? Well, we would need another screen for that one player that's not doing what everybody else is doing. It's like, well, let's make the Dungeon Master. Yeah. Like, there's some really cool games and really cool concepts that I can see coming to the Nintendo Wii U. You're right, that is a horrible name, and yeah. I hate saying it each time. It's almost like I'm spitting that name out. The Wii U. I hate myself saying it. I know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's bad. I but hate it. It's, it seems, it's stupid. It seems like a cool thing. I just don't understand why they didn't just... The Nintendo, back in the GameCube days, had that weird like squid-looking controller pack that would plug into your Game Boy Advance, and you would be able to play Game Boy Advance games. They tried the connect thing with the DS with the Wii where but no game like you, you never used it as a controller you just got to download games why not make it compatible with 3DS I don't understand but I do like the concept of having one player like okay it's a platformer I get to, the one player drops down like obstacles for the players to try to get around it, or like in 
dungeon crawler and controls the monsters on their touch screen. And I, stuff I like think that. that's the kind of stuff, though, you're going to be it's getting be from fun. those third parties. Mm-hmm. Like, Nintendo, they've already said they're going to be doing a Smash Brothers game. Mm-hmm. You can guarantee there's probably going to be a Mario Kart, a Mario yeah. Party. Mario Kart, I think they, they, like, they talked about that. They're just going to be doing the same stuff that they always... Yeah, have. and that's why I'm, this is going to be the first time that I'm not going to be excited for a Nintendo product. The three DS didn't excite me. It's all rehash at this point. Yeah, I'm done. What what can you do, John? I'm sorry, you had something. I was just when you were talking about those systems, like they had it for the uh, the Super NES. You could play your Game Boy games on it. You know, like they've always had that cross platforming. Mm -hmm. And they perfect opportunity here with this new controller, with the touch screen plus buttons. It seems like. What? Why aren't you? This is what they should have had years ago when the Wii came out. You know, a a system that is going to rival the the PlayStation and those games. And Xbox. But that technology that rivals the Xbox and PlayStation has finally fallen to a price point where they can put it it in a system, sell it for 300 bucks, and still make a profit. And that's what Nintendo does. They make a profit day one when that system hits the shelf. Unlike Sony and Microsoft... And even Sega did, where they would take a loss to recuperate the money on licensing fees for the game systems, for the uh, game cartridges, or actually, you know, putting the games on the system. And still no real word on, like, how any kind of interaction online. There's no real word on if my all the games that I bought off the Wii uh, Virtual Console will transfer over, because I don't have an account. Yeah, you yeah. just you just download it and saves it to your system. And it saves to my system. There's no real. I can transfer those games onto an SD card, but there's no guarantee right now from Nintendo that says I can put that SD card into my Wii U and transfer them on. The Wii games will be you know backwards compatible. You know I can put in a Wii disc. You know my Zelda Princess whatever. Mononoke. No. Twilight. 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 Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess. Wait here. Mallage. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not on the island with you, remember? You left it. Yes, I did. (laughs) For various people stay off. Um, I don't know. I just... I see the Wii U being kind of like... Companies will develop games for it, but I don't see them supporting that handheld controller too much because that's one more thing that they're going to have to worry about. Okay, well, what do we do for this little screen controller that... It's just another step for them to have to worry right. about. And it's work going on. to be a, it's another obstacle for them. Yeah. It's going to be mini games, just yeah. like how when games were first coming out for the Wii. Oh, on the Wii version, you also get mini games. And every mini game on the Wii is the exact same thing. Yeah. Move your Wii remote around back and forth, really quick, really yes. quick, faster, faster. That's oh it. yeah, that's stuff. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Uh, I mean, when the Wii came out, it was one of those things like, hey, it's kind of cool, it'd be fun when I have people over. And then, like, we come over to Paul's, who actually has it, and they're like, hey, you want to play something on the Wii? Nah. Yeah. It's kind of that way. When it first came out, though... We would play, like, Boom Blocks or Mario mm-hmm. Party. And... And then you played Boom Blocks and Mario and Party. And then, like, 40 <laughs> minutes later, like, okay, let's not do this anymore. Like... Wii Sports Resort is still pretty fun, even though I've only really played it, like, maybe five times. The archery is cool. Yeah, archery is fun. 
But, the yeah. fencing's not cool, because all you do is yeah, you every just, other minigame, you just yeah. whack the Memo real quick. Tap, tap, tap. But, um, Raphael style. Honestly, no, caliber three. nothing really major coming out from Xbox. Um, they just really Connect. announced like more Kinect stuff. Um, a little bit stronger focus on that this year. Halo? Hey, well, I was I was going to go for the systems okay. themselves. Oh, first, oh the systems, I'm sorry. Games. But, um, and then from... Sony, you've got the announcement or the unnaming of the PlayStation Vita, which mm-hmm. was going by NGP before. Um, also, hate that name. Yeah, the Vita. I can hard, I can never remember it. It's just it's not good. No. They should just. What does it mean? Vita. 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 They should just kept it NGP. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like almost Viva. It's like right. Viva Sony. I, I think they're going for like Vita Life kind of, but I don't know. Yeah, like. Makes me think of Evita, the music. It does. But, um, new handheld system. Evita. It's not going to be using their UMD discs. They're developing another new cartridge that almost looks a lot like a DS game that's right. going to fit in this. Um, and again, this is kind of something Sony likes to do as well because they like to come out with new technology mm-hmm. and be like, hey guys, look, the UMD, it's the best thing ever. Think, of, Look at how much information you can put on this little disc. You can put Blu-ray movies on this if you wanted. And then everyone, with place, with, <laughs> then everyone else is like, hey, that's cool. We don't care. <laughs> how much hey, Sony mini-discs. How, are you gonna, no, how much are cares. you going to charge us for this cartridge? Oh, that much? It, it's probably still going to be around like 40, 50 bucks. No, I mean for the developers to actually put yeah. their games onto the disc, which it's, has been a big issue. It's just kind of ridiculous. They tried to go the full digital route mm-hmm. with, with go. Uh, PSP Go. That kind of blew up in their faces because digital is good, but people still do like to have a physical game there. Especially, Especially when not everything's available for download. And also when you've had the PSP and then you decide to get the newest PSP Go, and then you realize that all the games that you have UMDs for, you can't transfer over... And get that download, even if you type. There's no place to type in a UPC. Yeah. There's no place to, you know, even if you registered your games, you don't get a credit to download it to your go. So they still have, register games. Yeah, you can most yeah. not most games, but a lot of games do come with like a registration code, like the EA stuff does. Mm-hmm. Um, Square Enix games do. All the Nintendo games do. I didn't even know they still. And you that. can get Nintendo points and get a hat that has Mario on it. Hey, you love Mario. It's a me, it's a Mario. Here we go. Nothing that's gotten me really excited on the system front. Uh, no. Were they putting stuff out about new controllers and stuff? I did see something like that, but... Um, yeah, for what? I think Xbox was putting out, like, a new controller. Last year they did. Was it last year? Yeah, with the transforming D-pad, but Mm -hmm. that was... Because Nintendo owns the the, uh, patent on the actual raised D-pad, so you can't actually have it above the actual controller or something like that. Sony does. There's something weird with the D-pad. I don't remember the patent, but there's Nintendo has a very specific patent on the D-pad. Huh. That's weird. Sony's only it has only the cross, right? Yeah, it's just the four buttons. The four buttons, and it's not the eight buttons raised off the... I think that's what it has. Like, you can't actually... It's weird. Nintendo doesn't even use, like, an A-button setup, though. No. It doesn't. It's stupid that they... Man, systems are dumb. Let's let's start talking about some games. (laughs) What game that, uh... You guys were probably already looking forward to. Now, (laughs) I've been even more looking forward to, think. 
Uh, it's something that was just, I mean, we, Chris was kind of telling me about it, and I hadn't really looked anything up because I was waiting for our E3 show, and it's the Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, which just with what I watched and found out more about with this game, it even got even better. Mm-hmm. Um, you have different, um, what, what the game is about is you, it takes place between Resident Evil 2 and 3, mm-hmm. and you are the, umbrella army going in to take out zombies and survivors and you have different classes to choose from but one of the cool things is is if you get bit by a zombie you have a specific amount of time before you before you turn into a zombie Mm. um you much like resident evil outbreak their online game yeah um and you have to either get to a point where you can find somebody to save you, or if you're doing it team play, you need to have a medic on your team who can cure you of it. Um, one of the cool things is when you are bit, the zombies start leaving you alone hmm. because they look at you as one of their own. And then once your meter goes, you, everything turns blue on your screen, mm-hmm. and once that goes all the way down, a computer takes over your character, and you are now a zombie. So you either need to be killed... Or, or tried to uh, be helped. But uh, just really cool gameplay. There's a lot of really cool, innovative stuff they did. When it you... feels more like a shooter now. Um, it, it's more like it's developed by the team that did um, the SOCOM Confrontation game. Yes, so it's zipper. more it's squad-based. Mm-hmm. It's like a third-person... Like, I'm trying to... Uh, you can Rainbow, Rainbow Six and type walk. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Let um, me say that again. Resident Evil, you can shoot and walk uh, at another, the same time. Another cool thing is you might be facing forward, but need to start shooting like with your sidearm to the left, and you like you pull out your sidearm and you automatically will go to the left to where you need that sidearm to go instead of like pulling it forward and then having to like, D-pad over to the left. If you need to take out the left to start firing, it does that for you. Um, characters have. Man. Different different special moves. Like it's it seems like they've really put a lot of work into it, and I'm really hoping that my friends get this game to play <laughs> with me online because it I, seems like a lot of fun. I probably won't, to be honest. And it's like when a western western developer takes over a Japanese franchise, they know how to make a shooting game. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about uh, what about you? Uh, this is a game that I did not really hear about before E3, just a couple days, you know, before. It was kind of announced uh, with a teaser. And this is a fighting game that I've loved for a long time since the gen- uh, Dreamcast. Uh, it's coming out with the fifth in its series, and it's Soul Calibur 5. Uh, no, you have to say it's Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur 5. Battle of Souls continues. Dude, uh,. My soul still burns for this game. <laughs> this game. Uh, I didn't really pick... I picked up Soul Calibur 4. I've played a little bit of it. Didn't play it as much as I have played the first Soul Calibur game or the Dreamcast. I downloaded the Xbox Live uh, arcade Soul Calibur, and I miss my Dreamcast so much when I play that one because it's missing everything. It's missing the story mode. It's missing the challenges mode. It's just, like, only the arcade. And I'm like, oh, this isn't what the Dreamcast had. I'm glad they're getting away from adding in these weird characters, um, even though they're still adding in characters from, like, Tekken, which is fine. 
but I'm not getting Link in this one. I'm not going to get a Star Wars character in this one. And I hope to God Todd McFarlane isn't going to be designing characters for this one. I haven't heard anything yet. And I haven't heard anything we'll yet. See. And I hope it stays that way. And that's why I'm so excited. It's just a teaser so far. No real big announcements. I just love the eight, you know the full 3D battle where there's an eight-way run. You can actually sidestep attacks. And I do really love the character design in Soul Calibur. Yeah. Even though they've gotten way overhand with you play Soul Calibur one, Ivy is completely different and not as top heavy as she is now in Soul She's Calibur. She's very one. top heavy now. She is extreme but like it was kind of a joke in the first one talking in the Ivy. Now it's just gratuitous. Yeah. Hopefully uh we get back to Soul Calibur one, but you know what? It's just a lot of fun. And it's just like, it was one of the fighting games that I actually kind of mastered. Yeah. Soul Calibur, they're awesome, awesome games. I've had... I own Soul Calibur 2, 3, and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, five's definitely on my list of games to get. I love fighting games. I might not be the best at them, mm-hmm. but I always enjoy them. And especially the Soul Calibur ones, because there is so much extra stuff in there. In Soul Calibur 1, I was able to pull off the mood from Ivy, where she gets up from the ground, does the twirling thing with her sword, the sword all falls apart into pieces and then attacks the person. I don't know how I was able to just, like, pull that off. But I used to be able to do that on the Dreamcast controller. (laughs) I've tried it on the Xbox, and I just can't do it anymore. I'm so upset. The Soul Calibur games, I think out of all the fighting games, the Street Fighter, the Mortal Kombat, all that are the most fun. And they're the most fun to pass around the controller mm-hmm. and play with your friends. Especially since as long as we don't get the Raphael again, which is a tap-tap-tap. Yeah, I think you're the always going to have that kind Cervantes, of character. Where you had the tap-tap spear thrown down. This one, they have said you're looking at like 50% old characters returning, 50% and brand new characters. Older. They are older. This game takes place 17 years after Soul mm-hmm. Calibur 4. So some characters will still be around. Um, they made it... There was actually an interview where they were kind of joking, like, well, how far down are Ivy's boobs going to be? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, no, I mean, you know, magic of Soul Edge, you know, mm-hmm. corruption, she's not aging, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, Cervantes wasn't. So it's like, okay, whatever. But, I mean... Those core characters, I mean, Siegfried's going to be back. He's going to yeah. be older. Mr. Uh, Mr. back. Looks oh, a hell of a lot I older. I hope he's older. He looks like a because grizzled old warrior. badass. But now you've got, like, Sofitia's, like, two kids mm-hmm. are teenagers. Like, so they're in the game. So you're going to have that kind of, like, Sofitia, like, Cassandra-type mm-hmm. gameplay again. I don't think Hong Song Yong is going to be in this game. I, I don't know. Because he I, wasn't in the four either. You know what? As long as Talon's in it, I'll be happy. Yeah. But even if I, she's not, you know what? There's going to be enough... In this game that I'm looking forward to a day one purchase. Is Talon in the fourth? She, yeah, she okay, is. Good. Wind! Yeah. Guide me! Oh, she's so fun. Just well, a great she does have character. that, yeah. Well, you know, she just has that great sidestep. She's that sidestep character. Yeah. That, like, tiger pounce that she does. Awesome. Chris, you, you spilled a lot of love over I, Soul Calibur. I spilled a lot of love all over Soul Calibur. Do you have any other game that you want to there's, spill some love over? There's a lot of games coming out that I am really, really looking forward to. Um, and it's hard just to kind of like pick one on the fly because all of them are going through my head right now. But the one that's kind of piqued my interest the most, and the more I see about it, the more I'm looking forward to it, is actually X-Men Destiny. Um, it's an X-Men action 
RPG. So similar in the vein of like your Dragon Legacy? Ages, your Bioware's. Oh, not similar no. in the X Men Legacy. Nope. Ultimate Alliance uh, or Marvel this is, Ultimate Alliance. This is going to be one of those games where you pick from three new mutants, so to speak, at the <laughs> beginning of the game. Up. And you're going to have to develop their skills as you progress through, and you're going to have that decision and choice kind of gameplay where, well, you're going to have options that pop up. And what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to affect your character's story and where they go and what stats open up to them and what skills they kind of do. So as you play through, you're actually going to be learning to master your mutant powers. So mm-hmm. you're going to wow. be able to develop a skill tree which I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to, instead of just like the, well, okay, I'm going to unlock this power now. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm going to unlock this power. Now Wolverine's going to do, like, three cost lashes instead of just two. Right. Um, but it's an RPG, so you're still going to probably min-max something. It's, it's going to be kind of like, I don't want to say basic, mm-hmm. because everyone's going to have the same skills available, but it's going to be how you build them mm-hmm. and where you go with that character. Like, are you going to be an X-Men? Or are you going to side with the Brotherhood? Because... Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's gonna be deciding, you know. Um, and this is the kind of game that I'm really getting into now. You guys laugh, but you went inside with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Maybe second playthrough. <laughs> like because I've got you've got three characters now, so you get easy yeah. like two playthroughs on One, each. Charles Xavier is a jerk. He is. Two, Magneto was right. <laughs> and three, come on, like. I want um, hi, I want to be palling around with Nightcrawler and, like, the Blackbird. Uh, Come on. Dude, I could be palling around with Pyro. Yeah, why would you want to do that? Oh, I'm going to hang out with the Blob. Yeah, <laughs> Sabretooth's okay. not a jerk. Yeah, uh, I think Magneto's equally as much of a jerk as, yeah. uh, as yeah. Xavier would be. Uh, well, this actually just sounds like, it does sound like a yeah. really cool game. It's something that I would never play, though. Uh, see, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, especially because it's being developed by Silicon Knights, who's responsible for one of my all-time favorite game franchises, the Legacy of Kane games. Hmm. Um, I love those games. <laughs> they I, also worked on uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2. Yeah. Like, I, I can't... That just kind of made me be like, okay, you know what, I'll take mm-hmm. a little bit more note of this game now, because, you know, like... Soul Reaver, Blood Omen, like, I love those games. Like, I still have those games on my PlayStation 2. Like, I don't play them, but I just, I've held on to them to have them. They worked with Bioware, and oh. they're working on an RPG. Paul's, oh. Paul's taking his pants off. <laughs> it tickles my fancy. My fancy, it's being tickled. But, uh, dude, I, I, I had no idea. I looked at this game, you know, on, you know, when I was looking through games that were talked about, I'm like, oh, Another one of these games, you know, probably done by Ravensoft, probably top down. And I enjoyed Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Never played the Ultimate Alliance two, because it's, it's it's more of the same. Played X Men, wasn't X the first X Men? X Men Dead. No, there was X Men X Men Legends. Then they did X Men Legends two. Then they was, did Ultimate Alliance. Then Ultimate okay. Alliance two. I thought the first one was called Dynasty or Destiny or something, but no. no. All right. Where you get to run around as Magma in the danger room yeah. for like an hour while your friends just sit there like, let's, Are we just, going on? let's just continue the mission now. I thought, I thought I saw on the back of this box that it was four players. I, I I thought people were saying this is Gauntlet with the X-Men. They definitely fixed that in X-Men Legends too, though. And also in Ultimate, Ultimate Alliance. Alliance. More so in Ultimate yeah. Alliance. Then. But now that it's three... So the three characters, is it basically Warrior, Mage... 
the rogue class? Nope, they're, you're basically... Like range melee? Nope. Nope, they're just, like, characters themselves. Like, I can't remember their names. Oh, really? They're just, like, three distinctly looking, like, characters. But it's going to be more about you pick their powers and develop them as you go. So it's not going to be, like, you know... Oh, so kind of like you pick out ranger. the three different backgrounds of the character? Yeah. Like, I was, you know, hijacking cars in Africa... I was living in the mall all alone, and um, I bumped my head while me and my brother parachuted out of a plane. Yep. That, and that's, extra that's... points if you email us in and tell us which characters I was describing. <laughs> just, to, just say no. We don't keep track of points or what they do. Contact at thinkboardcast.com. No, that's exactly how it's going to be. Like It's basically like just that character's origin. Okay. Everything else you develop as you go. Okay. Then that is cool. And not... Making me worried that I'm like, oh, and I get stuck with a character that I don't really get to mold myself. No, it's all about the molding. Cool. Yeah. Back to me. Back, Back to John. To, um, we're picking out three games, right? Or yeah, more? I just had a list of different games I wanted to talk about okay. in case somebody picked out something different. Okay, cool. I have all the games listed right here. Uh, yeah. Well, let's continue on, John. What are you looking for? Um. I played a little bit of the first Bioshock. I did like it. I kind of fell out of it because I started playing something else. Bioshock 2 is one that I've I've wanted to play. I just never gotten around to it. Skip it. You, you've honestly played it with Bioshock 1. But, yeah. more, it's more of the same. But Bio, just dual wielding. But the Bioshock uh, Infinite looks beautiful. Like It looks mm-hmm. like a really awesome game. And it looks like they've really... They've really tied everything together and made it look... I mean, it just looks sharp, everything about it. And that was one of, out of all the different things that I've watched, it was the one that I was like, wow, I, it just looks awesome. I can't wait to see it like mm-hmm. not, like on my TV and playing it. I wish I had a, like a high-def TV to really capture everything of it. But I like that using the extra powers... With the guns and all that stuff, I like that with the the fear games as well. And um, yeah, I just think it looks really cool. I'd like to get into that. First uh, Bioshock game, I couldn't get past the syringes of injecting the atom. I'm like, I I don't want to I don't want to see that. Ugh, it's oh, so gross. That's really weird. Is it really yeah, a little the bit. syringes? Yeah, a little bit. Turn me off from that game, and yeah. I'm like, no, I'll just play System Shock. Yeah, that game's creepy. Because what? I loved about Bioshock was the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And they're oh, yeah. going completely different with this one. Um, atmosphere in the atmosphere. Uh, Hey-o! Um, <laughs> the, the way one of the uh, developers was describing it is, in Bioshock 1 and 2, your character arrives after the party's over. Mm-hmm. In Bioshock Infinite, you're showing up right as shit starts going down. Like, you're in the middle of it. Um, you've got these different factions in the floating city of Columbia... Kind of all battling for control. Spelled with a U. With a U. Not like the country Columbia, which is spelled with no, two O's. Like the District of Columbia. Or like Columbia Pictures, which is based off a design by a famous American uh, political cartoonist who I can't think of the name right now. Hmm. Hmm. Gay. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Knowing my American history, totally... Homosexual. Was, especially if you made that motion where you were, like, doing off a guy. Hey, we're living in a state that's so close to passing One the American rights. One more vote. And it's you are way. that anti... No, I... I what? Well, yeah, you use it as a uh, derogatory term. That's how pro-gay you are. 
Of course I do. I'm taking that word back. For who? For the anti-gays? For the gays. For the gays. Alright, well, I'm sorry to John's girlfriend who doesn't realize that he's taking that back for the gays for himself. I don't know if Bioshock Infinite's a game I'm going to buy, but it's definitely one I look forward to playing. I mean, I borrowed the first one from you, and I I loved it. Um, I'm just really looking forward to this one. Like, the look of it, the atmosphere, it's got me. It's yeah, got me good. I, like, I, I probably wouldn't buy it right when it comes out. I'd wait till it drops in price point. But it's definitely something that I really want to pick up and play. It just looks... <laughs> but not at that price point. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I mean, like, I got, I've bought... This summer, I've probably bought the most new games. Like, I went in, mm-hmm. I pre-ordered them, and, you know, it's just, it's a lot, it is, it's a lot of it money is, for a yeah. game. And, um, I, I gotta, I'm gonna have to cut a lot back, I, you know, I'm moving, and, um, I'm gonna have a bunch of new games to play? You're moving? I'm moving. So, it's, it's gonna be, um, it's one of those games that, yeah, once it's down in price, I will pick it up because it's definitely on my list of things to play. Because it just, it looks awesome. Paul, uh, I'm going to go with another old-time favorite. This one comes from when I had a GameCube, and I actually, when I first started enjoying my GameCube, it's coming from EA Big. I don't think they still have the EA Sports Big no, uh, label. they don't. But um, they, they still have it. In, it's in the game. Mm-hmm. But this is a relaunch of a series that I absolutely enjoyed. It was over-the-top, crazy racing on snowboards. SSX. Originally going to be called SSX Deadly Descent. They dropped Deadly Descent, and it seems more like, uh, they're much like how John is taking that word back. Uh, <laughs> they're taking back the series, you know, with the uh, calling it SSX. I loved SSX Tricky. It was a lot of fun. I picked up SSX 3, where they had one whole continuous mountain, and you could just, you know, basically nonchalantly go from the top, the peak of the mountain, all the way down, doing different events. This game's set up the same way, um, except this is actually modeled after real mountain courses. But then again, they say the mountain changes when you get your basically tricky uh, level, or you do so many tricks, and your bar basically rises, Hmm. so you can pull up more advanced tricks, and that actually changes the mountain course itself. Um... Really had a lot of fun with the series back, like I said, on the GameCube. You know, playing a single player, playing it versus, like, Kate. You know, because it's a simple it's a snowboarding game. Yeah, it was always fun. It was fun. I, we played it over your place. Yeah. And there's nothing better than pulling off an awesome trick, and then all of a sudden a run DMC comes on. <laughs> that's what probably made me, the game for me, and that's why I probably didn't love SSX3 as much as I did love Tricky. But then again, SSX3 had the executioners on it, so that's pretty cool, too. That is very cool. I know, I always enjoyed playing the SSX mm-hmm. game. I think I had the second one, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of fun. The character designs are fun, too. Simon with this crazy spiked hair, and then well, he This one is going moves. a little bit more realistic, yeah. though. Much like SSX3 again, but yeah. they're still going to have those same characters. I hope they bring back Brody, who was my favorite. Uh, uh, Zane. What's his name? Billy Zane was uh, voiced as that character. Hmm. You know, Mac and Kiori and Elise and... You know, just those characters I have a lot of fun with. And I loved how they all had their special, like, super move. And it was fun, like, 
playing with each one and seeing that super move and pulling it off for the first time. I'm not sure if that's going to be ruined by the internet age, where you can just go to YouTube and see their special moves. But it was fun, you know, discovering them on my own when I played Tricky. 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 It's two two. Chris, you're right on time. I'm Chris. Well, it's tricky to rock a rhyme that's right on time. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, but a game I'm really looking forward to, it kind of hits my sweet spot. It's got zombies in it. it it's got those RPG elements. Mm-hmm. It's Dead Island. Um, developed by Techland, most notably known for the uh, Call of Juarez games. Mm-hmm. Anything. Um it's a first-person open-world zombie shooter, similar to, like, a Dead Rising crossed mm-hmm. with Borderlands. So you're going to have four different characters that you can pick from, each one with their own skill trees. Mm-hmm. But as you run around killing zombies and completing missions, you're going to level up. You're going to gain stats that you can put in, or mm-hmm. skill points that you can put in different stats. Um, what about that doesn't say, like, play me? Because you're running around an island resort mm-hmm. killing zombies. And one of our favorite games to play is Left 4 Dead. Yeah. Uh, uh, two points that are I, that need to be brought up with this. Um, all right, you pick up a baseball bat. After a while, that baseball bat starts to wither away. Like, it's not going to last. So they have stations where you can fix them, and while you're fixing them, you can upgrade them. And one of the big upgrades they showed is the machete that also electrocutes the people when you, uh, when you hit them. Um, and one of the class trees is a female assassin who is better with, like, knives and everything. Mm-hmm. She has a special move where it's like a jump kick that can kick them back into other people. Um, and as the game progresses, there is a hurricane coming in. So the weather is like, it kind of rains, it kind of goes off, it kind of rains, it just gets dark and stormier. And as everything progresses and the zombies get more and more of them, the weather just gets worse and worse. And yeah, this is... This is definitely on my list of to play. It actually was going to be my number three because uh, I didn't want to do two zombie games together. But yeah, definitely. I, what I love about it too is the ability to shoot or chop off limbs of the zombies too. <laughs> yeah, like that's just great. Like as much as I love Left for Dead, like you can just shoot a zombie anywhere. You, you shoot it enough times in the leg, it's going to die. Like I want to see zombies crawling after me. Like I want to shoot an arm off, you know. Yeah. And it's got it. Like it's going to be just fun. I'm surprised that you described this game as a, you know, shooter, because from all of the previews I've heard and everything I've seen, it's much more about the melee combat. And he also said, what doesn't this say, how doesn't this just say, play me? And I would say that it's crossed with Dead Rising. Well, <laughs> that part makes me say... It's more that that open world. Little, yeah, it, it has yeah. that open world feeling like wherever you are, mm-hmm. feel free to run across the other side of the island. You can combine your weapons mm-hmm. to make new ones. As long as those missions aren't as stupidly placed and as difficult to complete, like no, I, they were in Dead Rising. I imagine it much more like a Borderlands, right. not so much like time-based. Where right, yeah. You've only got like this long We're to hoping. complete the mission. From what I've seen, it doesn't look okay. like it. Yeah. But it's like more... I don't want to say just as simple as like point A to point mm-hmm. B, but it's it's go to this spot, mm-hmm. you know, do this. Uh, the other thing that makes me worried about this game, and the, because I was completely in love with this game when I first saw that first trailer, it was gorgeous, it looked cool. It almost made you cry. Yeah. Uh, there was no real gameplay. 
But then I read a preview of gameplay footage of the rapper that came to the island to, you know, do his thing. And then, you know, it was basically just over-the-top kind of voiceover of this, you know, stereotypical rapper saying, she's really dead now, like, over and over again. I hope that kind of, those kind of characters get flushed out and that when I kill a zombie, it won't be annoying. I, I don't, never want to feel like, I don't want to hear him say this when I kill this guy. I, I, I don't want to. Are, okay, are you okay with Lewis going, pills over here? Yeah, but he guns! Bunch of guns over here! But that doesn't happen each and every time. Like, it'll it, happen, be right. it happens often enough that we yeah. quote it. Yeah, it does. But in the preview event, people were writing, every time he killed a zombie, he would say one of three things, and it was only three. So I'm just saying, hopefully I, they flush out I imagine the they will have more. And eliminate yeah. maybe the amount of times he actually says it. You're watching, you're watching a demo. Yeah. Like, it's still not 100%. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, just throwing it out there as it works. I mean, you imagine there's going to be story, but I can't imagine there's too much story. No backstory. I, you you mentioned about that. I don't. I don't. I'm not worried about that. You it's said just, it though. That's kind of one of my complaints about Dead Rising. Is it almost got bogged down by story? Mm-hmm. Like Left 4 Dead, you don't have a story. It's just like okay, let's run from the safe room to the next one because that's all that matters. I just want to run around and kill zombies. Stories yeah. told in the actual graffiti and you realize what's happening through yeah, the actual environment. Little, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want it and want to take the time it's there. But you, you don't need it. Like well, let, I Dead Rising I get it. Dead, Dead Rising it was too like I don't want to say too much cutscene but like there's just way too much that I was trying to do. And it just slowed it down. Mm-hmm. But even how they did it, like in, like you said, Borderlands. You know, yeah. like you get little cuts and you get little things that mm-hmm. progress it, but it's just the, it's just an action game. Yeah. And that's one of the big things I'm looking forward to this game. It's, it's just an action, just kill zombies. And I, one of the biggest things I love to do is kill zombies. Paul. Oh, John. I'm sorry. Um... Another thing I forgot I, the rotation. Another thing I like to do is kill aliens. And um, this game is called XCOM, mm-hmm. which actually I mentioned last year when yes. we did E3. Did. Um, it looks like a completely different game and how they were selling it before. Um, and basically, you're in the 1960s, um, alien invasion, mm-hmm. and you are one of the top people in a certain field where you have to go in and try to stop these. And um, at first, you're just kind of like like the men in black in suits, and as it progresses, you pull up and get their weapons and are using their stuff against you, or against them. And um, really kind of cool. It looks like it might be a fun, um, fun story, kind of a fun shooter, and kind of everything set back in that 60s kind of time frame. I'm not sure, but wasn't XCOM an RTS back in the game, uh, back in the day on the computer? Um, I don't, I don't remember. Where you kind of, I don't know. What, I what is an RTS? Real time strategy, strategy. kind of like StarCraft or Warcraft, uh, or Command and Conquer. Just because um, I Command and Conquer. Last year, this game looked like more. It was like a um, more a detective story, trying to solve what's going on, and and then mm-hmm. kind of uh, shooting and fighting. And now it just seems like. 
almost a straight shooter that you just kind of upgrade with the alien technology. But it looks really cool, and um, I like kind of that being back in time and fighting the aliens. Kind of a fun, fun little thing. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds good. I just not really. Um, yeah, don't know. You don't know. I don't. I really don't know too much it, about this game. It was uh, originally developed by Mythos Games and also Microprose. Microprose being uh, Alpha. Uh, what was it? Uh, not Alpha Centauri, but they had a, a, a turn-based strategy game, um, Masters of Orion. I have no idea. Which was an awesome turn-based strategy game. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe this is this. Uh, maybe I am thinking of the right one. Um, maybe. But I'm not. I'm not sure but if this is sure. to be an RTS or turn-based strategy game that's now made into this reboot. XCOM. XCOM. Well, what are you looking forward to? Honestly, you know, my biggest... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to get Professor X here. Mass Effect 3? What? Yes. Oh. There's no surprise. I had to put my finger to the temple. There is, there is no surprise that the game that I'm most stoked about is being shown off after the C3. Hopefully it won't make it to the next year's C3 because it'll put it out devoured it twice. Yeah. Three uh, times. More than... Come on. Come on. I've yeah. only played Mass Effect Let's 2 be honest. through twice and completed it four different ways because I've, only, I've done two complete playthroughs and then went back and played like the end state game like maybe four or five different times. Four or five different times. <laughs> Just the end hour. <laughs> All right. And, and how much of Mass Effect 1? I don't want to admit it on the podcast because that would make me sound like I have a problem. No, I think I think you need to. I think at this point you're looking forward to Mass Effect Three. How much have you played Mass Effect One, Paul? Probably complete playthroughs. Complete playthroughs. Probably six. Six. And aren't you like partial playthroughs? Uh, I've never done just a partial okay. playthrough of Mass Effect One. Aren't you like a hundred percent on this game too? I'm, no, because I've never played it on Insanity. Insanity. But I did play it through on Hardcore, and to play it through on Hardcore, you have to meet it at least on Normal, at least once, and then you can play through it on Hardcore. So that's two playthroughs there. But then there's four different, or three different origins that you could do. So come on, you have to at least play it through three to different times. Oh, yeah. And then you could play through it as a man or a girl, so you gotta at least play it through one other time other than that. So that's four right there. And honestly, the different character classes are six. Six? So he has six more playthroughs. <laughs> yeah. And you can play through each one as male and then female. I mean, that's 12. Plus the four different origin stories. You understand the permutations here, that I have not played through Mass Effect 1 enough. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, uh, Bioware has felt like so bad for me that they said, Hey, Paul, you can just pay 320 Microsoft points. And download a thing where you just play through a 15-minute, like, decision, like, tree, basically, thing, which was released on the PlayStation 3, where you basically just say the decision. the version. Yeah. You, you basically play through the, deci- the big decisions of Mass Effect 1, and then you can import it into Mass Effect 2. So, luckily, other than playing through it on Insanity, which there is one fight which scares the shit out of me. <laughs> and why I won't play it through it on Insanity, because I don't think I will have a controller left in the house that isn't broken. 
because playing through it on hardcore made me want a breaking controller and break my TV, uh, will save me from that. But Mass Effect 3, it makes me want to buy a Kinect. It does, it because does support the Kinect. That, that is Hulk awesome. Hogan's main event doesn't work? <laughs> no. Makes you want to get a Kinect? Oh. No. But Liara, warp this guy now! Boom. And giving my squad, you know, my, my team commands, this is the end of Shepard's uh, story. Thankfully, EA and Bioware said, no, the world will live on. There will be more Mass Effect. This, this is the end for Shepard's character. Uh, this is epic space opera in video game form. Um, I love this game. I love that I, I, every decision I make gets imported into my the next game. This is why I play through Mass Effect. So you're going to be times. playing through one and two <laughs> more times to import all of those into Mass no, Effect. No, like three. I said, I can download and just do the abridged version of Mass Effect one now. But I will probably play Mass Effect two again. <laughs> well, you have all that DLC you have to get through. Yes, I do. <laughs> I played through all the D- DLC. I just didn't. Complete all well, the you have to go and you have to go through with each of your other plays, though. Yeah, my first playthrough, I definitely have to do the DLC for. But luckily, the DLC get, you can play through at the end of the game. You don't need to start the game over to play through the DLC. Hmm. Right now, I have two shepherds in Mass Effect Two: one good shepherd, one bad shepherd, named Good Shepherd, Bad Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to tell them apart. Yeah, come on, and. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I might want to have a third uh, just to be able to play through Mass Effect 3. There's so many decisions that get carried over. Whether or not you had a relationship with a character in the first Mass Effect, chose not to have a relationship in the second, so you carry on that same relationship in the third from the first. Um, the All the decisions that you made up from 1 to 2 will impact on how the Reavers will invade like whether or not you saved this person and how you handled the situation on the Navara. No, it it will all play through. <laughs> if it doesn't, it will make me so sad. <laughs> if it is all just like, oh, that person shows up here and that's all you get, it will make me sad. But who knows? Else, it could just be like that. If not, this game will live forever in my heart. Hey, I love plugging in. Or Sonic. you can just play one again. I love plugging in Sonic and Knuckles into Sonic 3 and playing through Sonic 3 right through just through Sonic and Knuckles and get, becoming ultra super Sonic with all the cast gems. Loved it as a kid. Oh, I love <laughs> importing my save game files. <laughs> you want to tell me that's wrong? You can, but I won't believe you. I won't, I won't do that to you, though. No. I just always think it's funny. It's like when we like it pops up on our Xbox, and we're like, "Oh, what could Paul be playing?" And then we scroll, and it's like it's either Dragon Age One or Two, or Mass Effect One or Two, and it's like, "Oh, he's playing this one now." I'm playing The Witcher on the PC. <laughs> we don't check that. No. Or he's watching. Who's watching the Hannah Montana movie? That's <laughs> true. Hey, that kid grows up and becomes Havoc. <laughs> oh, Havoc. So, Chris, your last game. Um, uh, My last one, Paul's, you know, 
taking it to the skies with Mass Effect 3. I'm taking, I'm taking it to the streets. The streets of the city. Oh. Arkham City. Mm-hmm. Um, really excited. I love the first Batman Arkham Asylum game. Um, Rocksteady's stepping it up with Batman Arkham City. Arkham City, five times the size of Arkham Island in the mm-hmm. first game. Completely open right from the get-go. You're not going to have to go through those gates into certain areas. Um, so it's not like gonna in be, a Metroidvania. No, yeah. you're not going to be like sequestered to certain spots mm-hmm. for the game. You're going to be just jumping off rooftops, gliding wherever you want to go. Um, so excited for this. You're going to have all like those skills on. Same kind of combat, just mm-hmm. some new flourishes and stuff to it. Also, um, announced at E3, Catwoman's popping in as a playable character with her own completely different moves and skill sets and little tricks of the trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so excited for it. I can't wait. And what's kind of even better is... I can't believe people aren't focusing on this more. It could just be me because I'm a huge Robin fan. But if you pre-order it at Best Buy, mm-hmm. you unlock Robin Challenge Maps, which lets you play through as Robin, much like in the first one, if you pre-ordered it, you got Joker Challenge Maps. Robin's in this game. <laughs> and people aren't like talking about that. I'm no. sorry, I gotta pre-order this from Best Buy right Rob- now. Robin's in the game. I fucking love Robin. You love Robin. He's one of my favorite comic book characters. Um... So I'm so excited for it. Not Best just, Buy Doc CA. Not just because Batman Arkham Asylum is like the Batman game. Like mm-hmm. nothing else has ever come close to that. It's more like, okay, they realized, okay, we know what we're doing. Let's go big. Yeah. And they're doing it with Arkham City. I can't wait. So pumped. Uh, definitely a game that, yeah, I'm buying right when it comes oh, out. Oh, I, I can't wait. I already have my copy pre-ordered. It's... It's going to be fantastic. I mean, you got Kevin Conroy back as Batman. Mark Hamill appearing for the last time as the Joker in a DC property. It's... uh, Everything about this game is just built for the Batman fan. Yeah. And... uh, um, Endlessly played the first one until I let you borrow it. But yeah, it's... I searched Arkham City on the Best Buy website to try to pre-order it. The first thing that pops up is Sex and the City 2. Yeah, that's what she liked. Well, that's, but, yeah. yeah, this game, from the little teasers they put out, those little videos, awesome. And yeah, I can't wait. And the, the more you see about it, the more just comic book, Batman, video game fan, you just get a major boner about it. It, it definitely draws from all of Batman's history. I mean, you have Hugo Strange kind of mm-hmm. appearing as the main villain of this one. Um, you're going to have the Joker in it still. You're going to have Harley Quinn, you got Two-Face, Catwoman. You're going to have Riddler taking more of a proactive role, not just looking around for clues, clues and trophies everywhere. Even though that I did enjoy that part. That was, that was coming fun. Coming over the intercom. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm Especially so the end when you find them all, and then the cops come and take them away over the intercom. I never, I never found them all. I gave it back to John before I did. Oh. Okay. Oh, sorry to spoil it. Oh. But if you actually okay. solve all his clues... Uh, you, you that whole time that you're finding them, you're actually trace every time you find them, and he comes over. You're tracing the callback, and Oracle gets the cops to come and pick them up. Mm-hmm. So it finally, you know, when he comes and you know mocks you after you find one, it basically allows Batman to find him. So mm-hmm. it plays out pretty fun, I thought. So, but 
Yeah. Sorry that you didn't get there. Uh, and sorry to you, listeners. But honestly, what the hell? It's been out for, like, what, over a year? Almost two years. years. Yeah, two years now. Almost, yeah. Probably. This October. This October, it'll be two years. Because we haven't had our two-year anniversary yet. No, no, yeah. And it was up for the Bagnum Boardcast, the first Bagnum Boardcast, you you know, for the end of the year. We do it more than three? No. Okay. Why'd you point at me? Because you lead us off into the movie fix. Oh, we're going right into the movie fix? I don't know if there's anything we're closing up on this. I don't know. I mean, a lot of good stuff coming out. Um, Even more games that we really didn't talk about here that we're looking forward to. Or Croft's new reboot. Final Fantasy XIII 2. I'm looking forward to that one, honestly. Really? I am. Did you finish the... Yeah. I did not finish thirteen. I look at it. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Rising... Also looks fun. Mm-hmm. You're a no lot. longer playing Solid Snake, though, right? You're no, playing you're playing as Raiden. Raiden. Um, PlayStation has exclusive rights to do the Metal Gear Solid with Snake. Mm-hmm. So they're going to make up Example Rising for the 360, but you have Raiden instead of Snake, which I'm okay with. I didn't mind it. Except for Super Smash Brothers, where Yes. Solid but that's not a Metal Gear Solid game. Mm-hmm. But Snake can show up in that. A lot of good stuff. And I'm sure we'll be playing most of it, so we'll probably talk about it. <laughs> you feel what's cool? Cool stuff coming off from Madden, which might be the only NFL we get this year. Maybe. July 14th. July 14th. They need to uh, get the CBA in order in order for us to get play, uh, preseason in time. CBA? Yeah. I can talk sports. I know you can. You do a lot. <laughs> Uh, something that we can all talk, though, is the Green Lantern movie, which is our movie fix. Not to be confused with Green Hornet. Not at all. A lot of people do. People are stupid. Yes. Um, so, 2011 brings us Green Lantern, the uh, Martin Campbell-directed movie starring... Um, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Um, yeah, I felt like you needed to swallow there. I, I wasn't trying I to step. Swallow. I didn't want to step over you. You didn't. You threw it in there. You helped me out. Just wanted to help. Uh, Mark Strong, um, Peter Stuttgart. Peter Skarsgård. 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 Blake Lively. Blake Lively. Lively. Um, Do you got this, John? Huh? Do you got this? Yeah. Okay. Do you need another beer? I do not. <laughs> that uh, nine point two. I feel like I've been walloped. Um, but yeah. Uh, I see. Mark Guggenheim. <laughs> yeah, Mark Guggenheim uh, screenplay. With two others that I'm forgetting. Yeah. Um, but you follow uh, Hal Jordan as a test pilot who becomes a Green Lantern. And uh, you follow his journey to fight the Parallax. Which is... Uh, in the Lost Guardian. Which is the Lost Guardian. Which, uh, yeah... I mean, there's there's small little things to, that change from the Green Lantern book to the movie, which you're expected, yeah. and I think they did a good job sticking close enough to mm-hmm. to Hell's the comic origin, Hell's origin, and I mean, what I don't know, I didn't I didn't expect anything more than what I got from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, it, you definitely come in, you get to know Hell Jordan, brash, cocky test pilot. As he has this responsibility thrust upon him and gets taken away where he's told, no, you have this great responsibility, and 
he, he says it right in the movie. He's like, me? Responsibility? Like, I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. But it is an origin story, not just him becoming Green Lantern, but him becoming an adult more. Mm-hmm. Um, learning the ropes from Tomar Ray, Sinestro, and Kilowog. Um, it, it had what you want in a Green Lantern movie, I feel. Do you really want to say cocky? Yeah. Because I feel more that they're constantly pointing out that this Hal Jordan is running away. He, you know, when things get tough, he runs away from this and that. You know, he quits the Green Lantern Corps. He runs away from Kyle Ferris when things get too real. He doesn't seem oversure of himself. I never feel like he's a cocky, this oversured kind of cocky thing. Well, it's more that he just takes everything on a surface level and I, doesn't go deep. I mean, you have the cocky with him, how he took out the the drones in the beginning. You know, it was like, all right, hey, I'm going to fly out of the rules and engagement because I'm here to beat him. So that's what I'm going to do. Like, that was cocky to it. And like, you can't fire me. I quit. And then it's like, you're not quitting. You're in suspension. You know, like, there's those cocky moments. All right. Well, you rather dice cocky and I didn't read But it. I, they sold it more towards the middle, him running away from everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of got me down on this Hal Jordan, where I wanted to see a cocky Hal Jordan. I wanted to see somebody that had, you know, confidence in himself. And we got a much more subdued one, I felt. But maybe you guys are talking about... No, you, you have the, you have those moments of like him being a little bit more withdrawn, but mm-hmm. I, I don't. That's not the way he's presented. Like no. it's just like you have those flashes of it, and, this, and I feel like it's just those moments that you talk about because like otherwise you have him more building himself up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I just got a lot of self doubt. Like when he's sitting in the apartment and Kara comes to talk to him, like I can't do it. I'm I fear. You know, I'm afraid. I, I think those are just moments to show, I mean, those are character moments. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise, hey, of course I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the best Green Lantern. You know, you have yeah. those moments where you feel more for the character than if he would just was completely cocky. But you wouldn't have those same moments of, oh, he's overcoming it. He's finally fighting the fear and everything. Because it's, again, we're huge fans. We know the story. Mm-hmm. And it's other people getting into this character. And if you just have a cocky guy, not everybody's going to like him. Not everyone's going to realize, hey, you fucking love Hal Jordan. Iron Man. Uh, a real cocky guy, self-assured, over, you know, has faced with a situation, sure that he can overcome it, you're actually rooting for him to overcome it the whole time. But you, he, he has those moments when he's... He's making the suit mm-hmm. where he realizes I've done a lot of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. I've done it bad, and now I'm going to do it. And you have, you know, you are working with him to change what he used to be. Yeah, he's still cocky, mm-hmm. but he's got this human side to him now. He was taking everything at a base level and has now decided to look at the world as it is, goes deeper, and you're on that journey with him, cocky throughout. But he's no longer, like I was saying with Hal Jordan, you know, kind of like running away, taking things just at that base level. He could have had the same thing, to do that character journey. I think that you, you get were that, saying. though, with him. I, I yeah, think like, he, right, like when he's showing off, like, his costume to, like, Tom. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 
that, that's after he's already quit being Green Lantern. Like, he's yeah. still out there, like, wearing the costume, flying around. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a guy who's unsure of himself. That's just a guy that's like, I have these powers. I'm going to fuck around with it. And he's going, he's going to try to pick up uh, Carol Ferris. Which was a delightful scene. And then, it, and, and uh, what I really loved was that moment where she's like, how? Mm-hmm. Like, of yeah. course you're going to tell who he is, <laughs> yeah. you know? Just because you hide your cheekbones. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, one thing I have to say is all the little jokes in this movie, you laughed at. Yes, you I did. did. I heard it. Yeah. And actually, they got really good response from the crowd in the theater, too. Yeah. Like, they were genuine people laughing. It wasn't like first class. It was like, <laughs> oh. I giggled. You. No, Paul. No, Paul. No, you I guffawed. You. <laughs> okay. You were like, ha ha! I know. I. I have to say, I, I, liked, I liked Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan. I, mm-hmm. I believed him. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Lively as Carol Ferris. It's, when she's monologuing, I just feel like she's standing there reading lines. But when you actually see her and Ryan Reynolds like interacting, yeah. I, I believed it more. It felt more organic. Like I think she can develop or deliver stuff on her own. Really? I love yeah. Blake Lively as Carol Ferris. I didn't think I would, and I was surprised. Um, I think I, I, I think I could take her a lever. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't hate her as the character. Um, when she did have those moments with Hale, she was stronger than just kind of her on her own. But next movie, they could put somebody else in, <laughs> and I wouldn't care. Yeah. When she's yeah. telling Hale Jordan off, I believe she could tell Hale Jordan. Off. Yeah. That's and, and that's all I want from Hale. As much as I like the Hale Jordan stuff. Mm-hmm. This is Sinestro's movie. Mark Strong has just such a commanding performance. Like as soon as you see him there, it's like he he is Sinestro. Oh, and that the scar that runs his face. Yeah, it's like he's just like scarred up. You you believe this guy is a it, Green Lantern. And that he and the reason he's running it he's running the lantern is because he's in the trenches. They yeah. all respect him. That's why they're listening to him. And yeah, definitely. Um he, like, I feel like as, as much as I did like the Hal Jordan stuff, as soon as Sinestro comes on, it's it's his movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and what they said in the movies is, you know, you, you're following Hal Jordan as much as you're following Sinestro to where his outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. And you have that right after the credits. Uh, yeah. I hated that moment right after the credits because this movie was almost like a 100 and. A hundred, hundred and five minute preview for what's going to be an awesome second movie, which is the real rise and fall of Sinestro because of everything Chris said. Mark Strong does feel feel the scene when he's on, on screen. He feels it, like, and at the very end of the movie, spoilers. You see Sinestro and Hale. Sinestro now has this real respect for Hale Jordan. Hale Jordan has come into his own. I'm going to love this Green Lantern 2 where it's them. <laughs> Those two guys as friends, like as partners or as friends, much, you know. He is, respect each other. He has now taken that place of Abensor in Sinestro's heart. And I will love to see Sinestro's fall. And to have that scene at the end of the credits where he already put on the yellow ring, I think cheapens the second movie. I, I don't think so because you have him wanting to conquer that fear like he wants to be in control of it like he feels like he can because he is this great green lantern 
It, like, this not, isn't going to be nothing for him. And not only that, and what is the basis story of Sinestro is he wants to keep ultimate order. And that's what he wanted to do on his planet. He wanted to make sure that, all right, nothing bad is going to happen. And and then they found out what he's doing, and then that's why he gets kicked right. out. And now you have that moment of, now I'm going to wield this because we have this power that I am ultimately going to protect this world, this universe, mm-hmm. with this power. And I think you have a different... It's the same story, but a different way of telling it, which I think people are really going to connect with. And you're going to ultimately... Like, I love Sinestro. Sinestro's one of my favorite villains. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for this next one to be more Sinestro, more Hal and him, buttonheads, and what we can get out of it. I love that Sinestro was doing was asking for that yellow ring because of the corona, I mean parallax, threat. And as soon as that threat is gone, for him to grab the ring seemed out of character to what they were setting up in the movie. I know you're saying, out of the comic books, this is a guy that wants to I, complete control. I want to see in the second movie what that threat is that drives him to take that ring and say, I will protect I, my people. I feel like it's more, okay, spoilers, yeah, Parallax is destroyed at the end of mm-hmm. the movie. That doesn't mean fear goes away. Right. It's still out there. It's still powerful. Mm-hmm. And he is going to control that. He is going to harness that ability. And I, I feel like that's more him just taking control of it. Not, I'm trying to think how to word it. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's ultimately what I was trying to say. But yeah, it's hard to say. But it's him. It's him stepping up to wield this new power that can rival the power of will. Especially and when... What is it saying about this movie that we're talking about the end credits longer than we're talking about the... Well, I because think it's just a, it's a big part yeah, of well, it. Well, it's more we're talking about, like, the actors and their portrayal. And if you're going to talk about Sinestro, you have to talk about the whole arc. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is as much a part of the movie as it is him, you know, dueling Hal Jordan and being like, swords. How human. Really, guy? Okay. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll do this and still kick your ass. Um... So, but no, like I, I feel that's just as important because you are seeing that rise of him and the subsequent fall. Um, and I feel like because you have seen just how much that parallax entity can corrupt, mm-hmm. just with Peter Skarsgård's <laughs> awesome portrayal <laughs> of Hector Hammond, a scrub villain in Green Lantern. Like I've never liked him, but in this movie, I was kind of like. Okay, like I, I'm buying this. Like he's just like totally skeevy, but you still kind of feel bad for him. There's just that little bit of like sympathy yeah. that you have for this guy, but you don't feel bad watching him get his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. Like I, he just he, he because ultimately he deserves to yes. ass getting kicked. And I thought it was a great way to work that the parallax made him <laughs> Hector Hammond, the villain, you know, versus. However, he gets it, you know, what, radiation or... or, It it was like alien technology. Yeah, you know, how else are you going to do it to fit into the movie to have one of Hale's big villains, you know? Um, Yeah, portrayed excellently by uh, Peter Skarsgård. 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 It's a crazy name. It's like Weatherway. Crazy name. Crazy name. But yeah, and I, I think one of the biggest things is... When I heard what this, how the suit was going to be done for this movie, I was kind of like, eh. 
Um, amazing job. And not just that, like... Okay. Uh, showing him flying and having the aura around him. Having him kind of move and you see the sparks come out. Like, yeah, how else are you going to show the suit in a movie? You know, how else are you going to show him flying through space with the aura around him? And I thought they did a great job. Not only that, but the fights between Hells Road and Sinestro or yeah. Killwog and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was done... Very, very well. I think the costume looks better in movement than it does in print. It's, mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the things that I said when they unveiled the costume in entertainment. Is like, well, you're seeing a picture of it. And I, I feel like it did have a good flow to it, just like the way the energy's kind of rippling through it. The constructs looked great. Oh, the constructs looked amazing. Like, so much better than I thought they probably should have looked. Uh, yes. And, um, and like, even you, you get the green with the black. Like, yeah. in the, the pictures, you kind of think it, oh, it looks all just kind of green, CGI, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I thought it looked awesome how they did the the symbol and everything. Looked it's great. Glowing. Um, yeah. And I, I did enjoy how, all right, it fits to kind of your muscle structure, skin type, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Because, I mean, on Tomar Ray, like, all right, he's kind of scaly fish guy. Like, that's kind of what you, his suit kind of looks like. Um it, it was a little different on Sinestro than him, but very close. Yeah. Uh, I'm just so afraid that it will look as dated as Spider-Man swinging through New York City from Spider-Man 1 is looks now, you know, in the same amount of time that's passed. Because Ten years? Yeah, in ten years, which is... I, but, I mean, I mean, special effects are always... Yeah. I mean, they're always changing. It's, they're always getting bigger and better. The thing is, with the... Um, like actually having an actual suit might not look as dated in such a you know given time. Like even watching in the movie, I'm like, ooh, you can really tell that CGI. Like that that looks CGI. It doesn't look real. There's a little disconnect. It looks more real on Tomar Ray, like you're saying, with the scaly kind of textures because well, he is an all CGI character. I feel like part of that too is because, okay, you're looking at Tomar Ray mm-hmm. versus a human, which you see hundreds of exactly. every day. So I exactly. mean, you're more used to that. So I, I can totally understand that. The only thing, I mean, I didn't like the mask really. Yeah. That that I feel like they should have gone more like physical mm-hmm. prop because it just, you, you, you look at him like, yeah, it's Hal Jordan. He's yeah. just wearing a mask. Yeah. Like, I feel like something else a little bit different well i mean you look like at the batman and robbins like the movie it, it was it still looked like yeah. chris o'donnell with just with a mask the, on but it did look better i i will say that and the suit still the, looks like the suit the suits weren't so good yeah let's not talk, like, like for like the mask like the domino mask work on you know chris o'donnell's robin okay i don't know um I got everything I wanted out of this movie. I liked it. Um, I wouldn't say that I loved it, like it wasn't <laughs> like crazy, but I liked it. I did not walk away disappointed at one point. Yeah, it. it's not the best comic book movie. Definitely not the worst. Um, it's, it's right there in the middle. I mean, I put this probably above or on par kind of with Daredevil, which I, I do enjoy. I mean, again, it's not the best, it's not the worst. But I can sit down, I can watch that, and just enjoy it for what it is. 
And, but and because I don't feel this had as many of those kind of like cheesy moments, like oh they're fighting on the playground because that happens, yeah, <laughs> kind of things. Um, but no, I really did enjoy this. I I was looking forward to it, but I didn't go in with high expectations. I went in hoping to see a cool Green Lantern movie, and that's what I got. And I know you said right when we were kind of sitting down, like you were worried about the OA stuff. Yeah. How did you feel about that? The OA stuff because I was afraid that from the I really, really tried, guys, <laughs> to be on a full media blackout. Chris was being a dick and saying, no, you got to look at this trailer and sitting it right in front of me. And, I was <laughs> and then, guys, I can't not watch Stanley Cup Finals, all right? It's not my fault that Green Lantern was apparently, like, a sponsor of the Stanley Cup Finals. And, like, every time there was a commercial break, there was a trailer for Green Lantern. I wanted to walk away, but they could Drop the puck at any second. <laughs> so I saw, and I'm like, oh man, this looks like it's going to be two different movies tried to be sandwiched into one. Luckily, that did not happen here. And unfortunately, the OA stuff was such a small part of it. And honestly, the We Are Green Lantern Corps felt kind of flat for me. Like, especially, you know, both mm-hmm. times they, because when I saw the trailer and it was this, you know, music overlay. And you didn't hear what they were saying. I'm like, oh my god, they're all charging their rings together off the central battery. That is going to be badass. And so then, you, didn't, you didn't watch any of the other trailers because they show that moment in like every other trailer. Right. See, <laughs> I didn't watch any. I tried to go full media. So I thought, man, that's going to be badass. That's going to be a really badass moment. And then when I saw it in when I was watching the movie and that scene happened, and it wasn't a really big badass moment, I was a little disappointed. What? what? But that's in, in your walking in to, and that's why I try to go up full media blackout. Yeah, I can't dis, you know, I can't fault the movie for me. Well, yes, I can because their marketing built me up to a level that I do not want to get. But see, I, I went in knowing that was more like a rallying moment and not like that badass moment, though. Well, good for you. Because yeah. I didn't go full media blackout. Yeah, exactly. That's how I took it as. <laughs> I, I tried to go full media blackout. Here we are the call. Boom! With your. And it didn't seem that cool. Like, in that moment, it didn't seem that awesome or great. Like, it was cool to see Bizzed. It was cool to see Moonlop. It was cool to see Steel. It was cool to see, you know, those kind of side characters. This, but you see those side characters, but this does not feel like, let's say, um, Iron Man 2, where it feels like a combined universe movie. Hmm. They mentioned this is the first time we've seen an alien, uh, Amanda Waller. So, honestly, Superman must not be around, or they don't really know well, about Superman. Well, he's an alien. Uh, originally, in the script, yeah. there was, like, Clark Kent was supposed to be, like, covering, like, a story. Like, You're right. It might have been, like, the Ferris thing, like, when they had, like, the helicopter crash there. But they cut that out. Um, yeah, because if Clark Kent is covering a helicopter crash, he has to pick it up. So, and I think it's also because the Superman movie was put in place and they didn't mm-hmm. want, okay, this guy is Clark Kent in this movie, but he's not Clark Kent in the next one. Nobody told the musical director that. Because, <laughs> yeah. man, this movie tries too hard to be as iconic as the Superman movies sometimes, especially with the music that yeah, was on in the background. Really we just all with the music. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Cause we, it, we all the, caught like, the yeah, overture. The, yeah, mm-hmm. the music. And when they try, they pan over him when he first gets the suit when he's on Oa, I'm like, 
and they really want this to be an iconic moment and it just like the cl close up to the face and then the mask appears and he opens up his eyes it's like they're really trying here they're really trying every first. movie goes for that I though. know that's the thing yeah. though it, I think at this point it's just such like a trope that <laughs> if they don't have that people are going to call them out on it I guess but man you really feel them trying and a uh, cocky moment with Hale Jordan uh, he has the suit he's Checking out his reflection. He's doing a cool walk, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, hey, zap! And then he gets caught, you know? Which was fun. He's saying cocky, and I think that is just, like like I said, that he's not taking things seriously because he doesn't want... He's afraid to take things seriously and let it get down to a deeper level. That's all I'm saying. You keep on saying cocky, and I keep on coming up with my own definition. Yeah, well, he's, like, speeding down the street trying to wrap that present and, like... <laughs> Almost crashes that car and he calls the guy an asshole. <laughs> That's not taking things at the base level. Not taking his uh, taking he, it seriously, driving seriously. <laughs> that is. Well, well, I mean, like what what what, what could he do in the movie to you in those scenes to make him more cocky? Like like I said before, him not having those moments of self doubt, him but, enjoying. The power a little bit more, him realizing that he can wield this, and still, like I said, like I don't get the same sense from Ryan Reynolds as I did from Robert Downey Jr. and Iron but Man. They're they're two very different characters, and what is Green Lantern more about than overcoming fear? Mm -hmm. How can you overcome that fear if you don't have it? And I think you're. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it is. It's an origin story. So. Your next time seeing him on the screen, he's overcome that great fear. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to be a really be badass. Now he's going to be that really badass lantern. And I think, I mean, you have to have that. You can't just have him a badass lantern. Right. He's got to get trained. He has to figure out what it is to do that. This movie is a perfect setup for Green Lantern 2. And I feel like a lot of the movie was set up. I am. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's ultimately. It's, a, it's ultimately. I mean, they, it, it seemed like they wrote it to be in three parts. Yes, as soon as this was over, they wrote you know two and while three they were, were writing, I, writing one, they were writing two. I don't feel and you honestly need two being written. This isn't this as set up y though as the Marvel movies have been though. Like you Especially always like you know, like Iron Man, Man two, two like horribly set up. Yes, this is I nowhere agree. near like that. I feel like the only thing that you're getting set up y is the DEO stuff with Amanda Waller. And even then, that's not, like, overhanded, like, all the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff you get <laughs> in, like, any of the Marvel movies now. And it, the stuff with Sinestro after the credits, I mean, is more than anything. I no, mean, even in, for this movie to play out, you have the, the uh, voiceover in the very beginning explaining the Green Lanterns. You know, that's just, that is definition set up. You have well, his they, relation. They have, have to set up yeah, that world. You, you have yeah. to. Yeah. And the thing is, you have to. You, you have you have that yeah. X Men though. Like mm -hmm. I mean, that's you not... have to do setup, and there was a lot of it. It's do. because it's it's such, it's a, such, a, it's big such a big thing. See, when, when you were saying setup before, I thought you, I read it more as like you're talking about setting up like a whole franchise. Like, okay, here's mm -hmm. here's number. This is gonna be about number two, but not yet. Right, but a lot of, like, because it is an origin story. There's a lot of setup yeah. on understanding this character. There's a lot of setup for the villain which is Hector Hammond, but then there's also the setup for Parallax, but then there's also the setup See, for the Guardian. What you're there's using also... for like saying setup, I read more as just like introduction. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because, like, you just have to... You have to be shown this character and told who they are first. And that's any movie you have to set up who these people... I mean, look at Thor. They showed what Thor was and what Mm -hmm. Loki was and all these people, and then you have this story with them. Yeah, and that was also my, you know, one complaint for Thor. But that's any movie... all right, you have Tony Stark. You, mm-hmm. You're Iron Man. You but set that up. action starts right away. When doesn't the action start? You have that dog fight right in the beginning. You have those guys falling down and Parallax escaping. You know, you have these moments. They build and boom. You have a car. He, he's racing his car to the work. Mm-hmm. little bit of talk, boom, in the plane. But with Iron Man, you, under, you are following Tony Stark. There's automatic risk. When it's him being shot at, like you're introduced to the character, he's drinking, he's having a good time. You're like, this guy is fun. I'm I'm glad he's in the fun fun uh, Hummer, or fun V, the fun V, the fun V. Like, boom, you're in there, and you have the weight of him being in a dangerous situation. Those three aliens that get picked up that you never see again or never hear about, like why they were there. There is they no crashed. Crash. They crashed. That's all. But why were they out there? You don't know. What? Does that matter though? No, because they're. Well, then why, why are you making? Because it? you know why it doesn't matter. Because there is no weight to them. That's one. That's the contrast on I'm making. But they're well, not the main characters. That's why you're getting that weight from like Iron Man because you're mm-hmm. watching Tony Stark. You're watching just those three aliens I'm, get killed in Parallax Escape. I'm and then, have, like, and then you have Parallax go after Evan Sir, and you have that little bit of him escaping from that getting mm-hmm. hit, and then you go which right. Had, which had that weight? Yeah. And then you, you don't know who Avansor is at is at that. You point. know that he is one of the greatest Green Lanterns who captured this guy to begin with because of the voiceover. That's how you get that story. Same thing with the first X Men movie, though. You have that introduction from Professor Xavier out, just like outlaying the world that you're about to go into. And they're outlaying that world with some things happening. It's not just showing planets and nothing happened. Like thing, things happen well. That voiceover is happening, and it is progressing the story. You're learning, okay, Parallax has escaped from here. This guy means business. I feel like we get along a lot better when I don't see the movie. <laughs> no, but I think we have better discussions when we have all three of us with different points. But you're introduced yeah. to Evan, sir, because you have him talking to Sinestro. And you already know that, okay, well, Evan, sir, is the guy that captured Parallax before, because you are told that, like... They could have maybe said something about, you know, Sinestro talking to him about how he captured Parallax before, but I feel we like that would have just been forced in. Mm-hmm. Like, we got in in a voiceover instead. That's more exposition than anything, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and it, it just, it, I mean, it just, it, it's the going up the roller coaster when you have those moments where you just hear that clink, 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 clink. This is what's going on. This is what you need to know. This is what's happening. Boom, movie. You know? I mean, because, yeah, we are... Jurassic Park. You've got Alan Grant working at a dig site before. I mean, you've got Dr. Elliot Sattler there. Like, you're learning about those characters there. And then it's like, okay, now you're on Jurassic Park. As much as this movie is for us who have been... You're paralleling those doctors who will play out throughout... You're following Alvin Sir, who's only there to give Green Lant, you know, Hal Jordan the rank. Mm. He's the catalyst. He's the catalyst for Hal Jordan becoming a Green Lantern. You have. To, where would you be if all of a sudden the movie just starts with Hal Jordan having the ring and not Alvin Sir giving it to him? No, it would be Alvin Sir giving it to him. 
and then Hal Jordan trying to figure out what killed him and then learning about the bigger theory. I'm not saying that I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to figure out what... I mean, I'm saying there could have been a other way to do it. But that's, that's the that origin have, story, though, Paul. And here's the thing is... Yes. We are... That is the origin story. That's the origin story. I mean, how many movies have we walked out of going, it's the origin story? You know, almost all of them. Right. But as much as this movie is for us, the people who mm -hmm. know all the history about Green Lantern movies, it's for the people who are just walking into it. Mm -hmm. And there's... And DC is so afraid, and Warner Brothers is so afraid that they're not going to get anybody that isn't us walking into it. They spent over three mil, $300 million on marketing. I mean, they have to compete with Marvel. I mean, how much does Marvel spend on marketing? It's all over the place yeah. as well. They're, they I mean, released five different trailers in the three weeks before this movie opened. I, and you, I mean, you have to. You have to give people a reason to come see it during the summer. Harry Potter, they just came out with a final trailer last week. People know about Harry Potter at this point now. It's been like ten goddamn years they've been coming out with but, these movies, but, but they're still advertising. Here's the thing: the best, the best DC movies, the original Superman and the Dark Knights. What original other Superman made seven million dollars on opening? Right, but that's but that, I mean that's in 19, the, what nineteen seventy nine dollars. Yeah. So, but the other movies that have done well are the Dark Knights. A hundred and. $50 million opening weekend. Right. So, alright, yeah, they gotta shell out a little bit more of that money. They gotta get people interested because they're finally in control of these. You know, DC mm. is in control of not Warner Brothers is putting out these movies. And they want people to know it's not what you've seen before. It's not another Catwoman. It's not Green Hornet, <laughs> by the way. Which is very confusing. You know? yes. So, yeah, they spent that money to make sure that people know about this movie. And... I don't. I don't think how they set up and play the movie out was dumbing it down for us, the fans. Mm -hmm. We got to see these things. You got to see the villain escape in the beginning. How, how I was happy to see like they're on the planet Riot. Like, right. I'm a Green Lantern fan. I I picked up on that reference, but it wasn't like force fed to me. I right. It is it a Hawkeye. Do you have the clear shot? Yeah. It, it didn't beat you over the head with it. Clint. You know? Clint. Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a fan, I mean, how about um, Carol Ferris? Her call name in the yes. in the ship being and Sapphire. Sapphire, Sapphire, and she had like the Star Sapphire. Sapphire logo. On yeah, side. exactly. Those are little things for us. I mean, it's like Iron Man, his license plate being Mach One, the other car following him, Mach Two. Mm -hmm. You know, all those little little things. And I think they didn't force feed it to you. They they mm -hmm. were able to fill you in on this story of all right. This is the world you're in. This is what's happened thus far. This is what's going on where it didn't cram it down your throat. And mm -hmm. it moved along with a great pace. Like in the two Lord of the Rings Fellowship, you've got that first 11 minutes <laughs> is all just set up of the world. That, that's all this was. And it's the calm before and it the wasn't, storm. And it wasn't <laughs> like a four-hour feature, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's not. It wasn't a huge long yeah. movie. You didn't get. I. I wasn't bored at all throughout any of the movie. Yeah, it's paced well. It's, yeah. it's paced well, very well. You no, know, you got a lot of setup up front, but there are, like you said, action parts to get you through. Even it. that setup up front, I was like, wow, you know, like uh, yeah, we're on <laughs> sector six six six. You know, these aliens fell through. Holy shit! Their skeletons just came out and just suck all the fear out of them. He escaped. 
Like, who is he? All right, I can obviously know he's Parallax, but who is he? You know, mm-hmm. what is going on? It's a solid B minus movie. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say B minus. I'd say B. I give it B. Let's say B minus. It passed. <laughs> it had <laughs> enough going for it. Like. Yeah, Two point eight GPA. Nothing to be. Uh, it's not giving you on the honor roll, but you know. Yeah. I give it. A, I would give it a B. I would give it a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Yeah. I I put hook it a B plus. So I mean, that's just, <laughs> <laughs> that shows you, where this movie falls. And you love that movie. No. Well, guys, what's your A movie? Oh, A movie. Fucking Harry Potter. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> How can you even ask that? Um. If, if I'm going to go, like, an A Harry Potter movie, I would have to start with Goblet. Really? Yeah. I mean, the oh. first couple are good, but it, they don't have the gravity. Mm-hmm. that The gravitas. Yeah, that sets in. Yeah. Right in the fourth one where shit gets I'm real. not going to argue because I just feel like I just make you guys hate me. I <laughs> no, I mention no. anything about I, a movie. I, I, and I, I, I feel like you guys just don't understand what I'm trying to put across. So I think we do. Cause I think we, I think we've known you long enough to get you. Mm-hmm. Um, even That's even so Aaron, like we are all worried. Like, did you like the movie? Yeah, it would be mine. Okay, I, I'm just I. <laughs> I said a lot of times, but I have to point out the things. we walked away from seeing Thor, like, uh-huh. and talking about it with you to doing the podcast, walking out, and as we were walking to our cars, I turned and looked to Paul, to Chris and go. Did Paul like Thor? And Chris was like, I don't know. And we just kept walking, you know? It's like, we're, we're not sure. I really just wanted to know, because I I thought, I thought I don't think Paul's going to like it. And even afterwards, it was like, I'm still not sure. Uh, You're the one that said on the podcast, man, I really thought Paul was going to hate this movie. I'm surprised the only thing you had bad to say about it was the love thing going on between the Chris Helmsworth and... Uh, and, uh, what's her face? Not, yeah, as, but, but, not as cute as, uh, Kat Dennings. But, but then, but then. Natalie Portman? <laughs> yes. No, I remember Natalie You throw all this, you throw a lot of, movie. you throw a lot of, you throw a lot of other stuff out there and then you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I mean, and it, uh, I you're the one that said that I liked it during the podcast. I, I, I get so confused by you. But you're trying to say that you know me so well by now that you do understand that, that we, me. That we think we know we, we know you. We just don't understand your tastes. Yeah, and it's like, I, and, and this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> like I, I didn't, I didn't know. And like um, Aaron from Red Phone Zone was like, I think you and Chris are gonna like it. Paul might absolutely hate it. He could like it. You know, it's like, we, we, nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. Because it's Green like... Lantern, B-. minus. <laughs> Listen carefully. John, I'm so glad that you're re-listening to I this just, podcast four weeks from now. I just wanted to double B- check minus. because I didn't want to have that same moment of walking out being like, to Chris, like, you think he liked it? B-. minus. Well, you gave it a B-. minus. Okay. I liked it. But this you is... You just a bit too set up Right. But, you know, I can't really faulted for that okay. because it is what it has to be okay and i think that's and you guys want you know i think that's where the miscommunication was we thought you were ragging on it a little bit more for being <laughs> like introductory and i know i get a little verbose and i talk a lot but that's usually because i feel like i have to explain myself <laughs> so you guys don't jump to these conclusions and then spend 10 minutes kind of berating my <laughs> last point and just misinterpreting my last point but John, I'm so glad. 
weeks from now, be modest. I'm not gonna. You may fall and cry. Also, also, we do have the tendency, like, where we'll all just We're kind of, kind of just feed on each other and, like, either be overly like, be like, oh yes, this was great, this was great, or in like the case of X Men First Class, which I agree was a bad movie, be overly critical. And I feel like these points need to be pointed out. Mm. And if I'm the only one pointing out these negatives, because you guys are masturbating all over Green Lantern. Oh, no. I'm... Which you weren't. This, yeah. you know, But other times I feel like we do get into that kind of role. And there were... There's a reason why I would call it a B-, minus, and those are the reasons. And when you agree with me that it's a B-, minus, I think but it's you don't B. say anything negative about it, and it's not no, an A, I, and you don't say anything negative about well, it. Well, it's because I don't have anything overwhelmingly negative to say about it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I would see it a second time. There was nothing that made me like shake my head, like walking out of it, or like roll mm-hmm. my eyes during it. Like I, it was decent. And the only the only negative thing was we mentioned like was. The music, that yeah, it sounded a lot like uh, the Superman, and they played it a lot. For for me, one of the negatives was Ryan Reynolds just completely being overshadowed by, by Mark, Strong. Mark Strong, who just, just that overwhelming like authority he had, which he needs. He's Sinestro, and but I, I felt like I wasn't watching. He's badass when he's coming down and his arms are crossed, as they should are oh, cross, yeah. as, as it should be, and I think that's just. Mark Strong is a better caliber actor. Yeah. But I, I just felt like I wasn't watching Green Lantern. I was watching Sinestro. Yeah. That, and, that's the movie I was watching yeah, at that time. Know. And then he flies away and it's like, oh, Hal Jordan. That's right. And all the analysts turn to be like, oh, you're filming Avensor's shoes? Which was a good moment. Yeah. And that's why I'm upset at that last cutscene when he puts... I think feel like it undercuts Sinestro a little bit. I was looking forward to more story. But I mean... Yeah. But I, I think it's just, I mean, I don't know who else you could have to have the gravitas to equal Mark Strong. Hey, you called it, buddy. You were there. You called it. <laughs> did. Right after we saw Sherlock Holmes. John. I did. You called it. And I don't pay attention to all those other, all the websites. You called it. I did. And you were right. And this movie definitely proves that Mark Strong was the best choice for Sinestro. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like you're patronizing me. <laughs> no. I feel like we need a group hug after talking about <laughs> what we're going to be talking about next week on the podcast. Are we finally going to open up that uh, box of food from Japan? Is it a little bit uh, shaken up? I don't know. Are we going to finally have those worst beers of the world? Corona? <laughs> Bex? Uh, Foster's? Red Stripe. Red Stripe? Sapporo. I, Sapporo? I don't know. Who knows what we're going to be talking about on episode 87 of the Bag and Boardcast. You'll have to tune in next time. Same bat place. Same bat channel. Same bag. Bag? Ba- same, same bag, bag time, time, same board, board channel. channel. <laughs> Only here on the Bag and Boardcast. Do we even know what movie we're reviewing? I was trying to look it up while you didn't. Um, my phone's going slow. I'm trying to think what's coming on next. It's Cars too, but... I, mean, I don't want to see Carol. Honestly, I'm, I'm see I feel it. like my our friendship will be ruined if I see another movie with you guys. <laughs> I, you know what? We, I, I like having discussions with you like this. Okay, what was good. the last one of the last movies we had a we talked had a 
you and I had a great talk, a discussion about something. Like, I don't get heated. Like, I'm not, like, I don't walk away like, I'm gonna punch that guy in the face! The only time I did that is when you didn't go see Spider-Man 2 with me, and you went with <laughs> everyone else, and you didn't even call me. Yeah, Cars 2 would be the next movie. Uh, 24th. If it's at the drive-in, maybe. But it has to be with something that... We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So tune in next time, listeners. And until then, rate us and review us over at iTunes. I know you haven't done it. (laughs) I'm looking right at you. You. I'm giving you the bird right now. He's actually not. Go to uh, bagnumboard.com. Check out all the articles we have posted. Because that one article is going to get finished sometime. (laughs) Uh, We actually have updated our uh, summer blockbuster movie, Bracket Buster. Yay! Check that out. And also email us, contact at bagdenboardcast.com. Check out our friends over at Red Phone Zone and Gamer Gamer Shaven. Gamer Shaven. Till next week. Shine on. Go green.